The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Welcome to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. we got a fantastic program in store for you today. We talk with Ashley McNamee with Whiting Petroleum and Lynn Welker. She's a consultant with McKenzie County Healthcare Systems. They give the details about their $200,000 donation that Whiting made, Whiting Petroleum, made to McKenzie County Healthcare System. It's going to go to the Birth and Labor Wing. Tell you what, Watford City's had a growth of over 250% in the last decade. Quality of births, I mean, sorry, quality of uh, life issues is births. I mean, they have so many births that they needed this donation. So Whiting, another great example of these oil and gas companies stepping up and giving to the local communities. It's really fun to track these stories and follow the evolution of the Bakken oil field in the surrounding region. And then we talk with Dr. Lauren C. Scott. Dr. Lauren C. Scott, he's an economist and also an energy expert. We got a great conversation with him about a variety of things from natural gas to solar power to wind, how Earth Day became what it is and how climate change also became part of our lives lexicon. Awesome interview with Dr. Lauren C. Scott. Heavyweight in the industry, no doubt about it. All right, well, I'll tell you what, let's get to our first interview here. Ashley McNamee with Whiting Petroleum and Lynn Welker, consultant to McKenzie County Healthcare Systems. Ashley McNamee, Whiting Petroleum. Lynn Welker, McKenzie County Healthcare Systems. Thank you both for joining me today. It's a two for one, outstanding here on the program. Uh, my understanding is you guys are boots on the ground live there in Watford City. Is that right? That's right, Jason. We're actually at McKenzie County Healthcare Systems Hospital facility today. In Watford City, we're celebrating a very generous donation from Whiting to fund the labor and delivery wing um, here at the new facility. Uh, they have presented our organization with a $200,000 gift, and that accompanies a $50,000 gift that they provided for furnishings for an obstetrics room in 2017. So they've given a quarter million dollars to McKenzie County Healthcare Systems, and we couldn't be more grateful uh, for that contribution. Let me ask uh, Whiting a question for a second. Ashley, if you don't mind, Mac to me, is, is there any particular reason for the donation of the labor or the um, Watford City itself? Is, it, is there some special connection to that, or is it just that they needed it and you guys were more than willing to step up to the plate? Talk to me a little bit about the intention and the origination behind the gift. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why this is the right thing to do in this community. So uh, Watford City is the heart of the oil patch, and for about 30 years, they haven't been able to deliver uh, babies in McKenzie County or Watford City. 
And so Lighting is one of the largest employers in this county, and most of our employees, over half, are under the age of 40. So when we look at not only the well-being and health of our employees, but the community where we're working and living, it was uh, an appropriate measure to start to pursue being able to have babies where we're living and working. So really, we just felt like this was an excellent opportunity to bring a service back to the area that it needed and that the population will continue to need and use in the future for, gosh, probably decades now. One of the things that I particularly enjoy about this story is it really validates what we've been trying to do with with our programming, which is show the evolution of these communities, show the growth of the communities. And this is one of those problem-solution stories where one of the problems that has happened in Watford City is they're experiencing a 300% growth, unprecedented. I mean, you talk 3 to 5% growth in a community over the course of you know three, a year or two, that's amazing. 5 to 8% is considered a bustling community. You get up to 100 to 300% in a few, few years, you got problems. And one of the problems they had was births. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a good problem to have, but that was one of the problems. And so as they upgrade the quality of life that's happening, this is one of those stories that is, that is happening to where the oil industry is stepping up and not only paying their more than fair share of taxes and paying their more than fair share of fees, but this is another example of those those sporting teams of jerseys they sponsor and, and Make-A-Wish donations and community services where you're stepping up to help build a hospital. Um, Lynn, talk to me a little bit about that, how the energy industry not only pays their fair, fair share of regulatory taxes and fees, but they also just continue to step up and help the quality of life in communities. I couldn't agree with you more, Jason. You know, the community here is is edging toward 10,000 people, and oil and gas companies have choices on where they choose to give charitable gifts, and certainly Whiting operates in a number of different communities um, in the country. So we feel very grateful for this gift because this isn't something that a company has to do. This is something that, in concert with employees, they've chosen to do to improve the quality of local health care in the community and, and services that are available to not only their employees, but to other young families um, that choose to move to Watford City. Um, so we're very thankful because Whiting is a leader in the community. They not only provide generously to the healthcare system here, uh, but in other ways in the area, like, for example, the community cleanup effort. And it, it doesn't stop there, Jason. Uh, we have different efforts where uh, people can choose to volunteer to help out in various capacities at the hospital. And they have a group of, of staff that are putting together potted plants to provide to our residents in long-term care in August. And I just think that's amazing. It's above and beyond. And it's a company that actually cares about doing kind things for others and being a good neighbor where they operate. Well, I'd like to expand a little bit on that. You know, you, you mentioned uh, pick up the patch and uh, well, clean up that right. sort of thing. And uh, pick up the patch. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's still the marketing term they use, but that's what it was for a number of years. And it usually happens in May. Go ahead. That's correct, Jason. Miss Ashley McNamee with Whiting Petroleum and Lynn Welker, consultant with McKenzie County Healthcare Systems. I'd like to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. 
we come back, we'll continue the conversation. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Wyoming, the energy capital of the nation, the Wyoming Center at the Camplex, home of the Energy Exposition 20th Anniversary. June 26th and 27th, it's the longest-running oil and gas trade show in the Rockies. You go there, you get exposed. Register your company for a booth now. Attendees can pre-register online and bypass the crowds. Don't miss the industry networking dinner with keynote speaker, Governor of Wyoming, Mark Gordon. And guess who else? U.S. Rep. Liz Cheney, U.S. Senators Mike Enzi and John Barrasso live feeds straight from the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Then Chansey Williams and the Younger Brothers Band perform live on stage. Awesome. Oh, and don't forget the Energy Symposium. Join in the panel discussions on the new regulations and procedures. Discover how new large projects are going to benefit you, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain region. Like to golf or just network? Then check out the Expo Golf Tourney, benefiting the Gillette College Foundation on June 25th, hosted by Energy Solutions Corp. and organized by Gillette Physical Therapy. Admission to the Expo is always free, and the exposure is, you know, priceless. Energy Exposition and Symposium, June 26th and 27th, 2019. And you already know, we're going to party like it's 1999. Find out more at energyexposition.com. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Ashley McNamee with Whiting Petroleum and Lynn Welker, consultant with McKenzie County Healthcare Systems. Talk to me a little bit about some of these uh, other community things, and whether it be Ashley or Lynn, uh, you know, specific to Whiting or maybe even a joint effort at times. Um, you know, with different energy companies, but the, the pick up the patch and the, and the, the trash pickup, 
I, I laugh because right now I'm, I'm doing a presentation on how the oil and gas industry are the leaders in saving the planet. And this is one of those examples. I went to the World Wildlife Federation's website and pulled out their how to become an environmentalist. And the oil and gas industry is doing every one of them, every single one of them, at least the majority of them and then individuals after that. But one of them was to, you know, pick up litter. And there's another example. So talk to me about some of these just social responsibility things that you guys are doing. Because, I mean, I'm, I, I know I, I could sit here and name them all day, but I'm, I'm only scratching the surface. I mean, there's so much that you guys have done. Yeah, it's Ashley. Thanks, Jason. Uh, I think the one thing I can say about my company and our employees is that we really do care a lot. And so in particular, North Dakota has been a part of Whiting's story for a long time, and our intention is for it to continue to be for as long as they'll have us. Uh, we really love it up here. We love the people. And when we came into the state, we hired locals. We thought that the residents would be the right people to help us achieve success in this field. And as a result, we had natural community leaders working for Whiting. And through that, they identify these amazing projects that we probably wouldn't have known of otherwise, just being a corporation that's headquartered out of Denver. So uh, one example of something we're doing in Watford City, in addition to this hospital, is uh, we were working with the high school. They came to us with an issue where the majority of the students were not going on to a four-year institution. And... This was before Governor Burgum identified the workforce development issue in the state. And we sat down with the high school and some of the uh, leaders in their uh, internship programs and other things that they were doing and really worked with them to create a curriculum and gave them a financial gift to start campus so that we can really begin to develop a skills initiative, trade-based technical career advancement academy. And so we've been doing that with them for, we started it last year, we're doing it this year. Our employees go into classrooms and teach students about the career opportunities that exist, not just in oil and gas, but in North Dakota. And hopefully by capturing those students, they stay in the state, they see different opportunities in the industries that exist. And then in the long run, that improves the well-being of not only the community in the state, but also the people who live and work here. And then we do other things. We're really big in sustainability reporting, and through that we get to try a lot of new programs. And uh, one of them goes back to humanitarianism, and it's with the Truckers Against Trafficking Group. And they're a company that, uh, an organization rather, that started because uh, when you're along these highways and with some transient folks going back and forth and there's trucking companies that are hauling things, there is a, a higher rate of, uh, girls being transferred back and forth between uh, different parties at truck stops and gas stations, and people had no idea. Our employees, the employees, the contractors we work with, and so by simply bringing it to their attention and giving them a little bit of training, we hope to work with this group, and their, their statistics are phenomenal. They've saved thousands of girls from trafficking situations because the guys are now paying attention when they're at these locations, and they make one phone call, and that phone call is often enough to go save uh, the person that's in that vulnerable position. So it's not just writing checks and picking up trash at parks and, you know, painting schoolyards or anything. This is We're really in this to make a proactive difference in the areas where we operate because we do intend to be in these places for an extremely long time. We want to leave them better than when we came. I know that was a number, a thing that I used to reiterate for years was 
during the downturn, you know, look at the investment Whitey, you know, a One Oak Marathon would put into the Bakken at, at that time. And so it was really more of a beyond a symbolic gesture. And now that, you know, things are to the point to where they're at, the new normal, I think, is the word they used a few years ago. There's still the continuing of the, you know, as you mentioned, not only the writing of the checks and, and a few other things, but there's also the community connection that continues. In fact, that's the one thing I love about the oil and gas industry is the downturn actually kind of brings a lot of the people closer together, to be honest. That's what I learned in, in the last downturn. Uh, Lynn, talk to me a little bit about the McKinsey healthcare system, because they have received quite a few gifts in the past that have built that hospital very nicely in terms of, you know, being a smaller town in North Dakota, uh, Watford City, they've grown considerably, but the healthcare system itself has done a pretty good job of capitalizing on some resources out there. Give us kind of an overview of the past, I don't know, five, 10 years and the advancements that have been made with the healthcare system. Well, it's very exciting, Jason, because we're in a new $76 million facility. And because of the expanded room and more adequate space, we are able to expand upon services that we can offer in the community and really to provide more opportunities uh, for patients to meet with primary care physicians. Uh, the urgent care and emergency area continue to be very busy. Uh, the areas each respectively see uh, over 700 visits per month uh, in urgent care and over 436 per month uh, in, in uh, emergency care. So we continue to work hard to meet needs in the community and region. It is a huge step up from the, the former facility, uh, which was built in the 50s. So the old facility had one emergency room and one makeshift emergency room. The new facility has nine. And, you know, last summer, shortly after opening the new facility, the community was struck with a tornado. And thankfully, we were in the new facility uh, with the equipment necessary to quickly provide for those presenting with injuries um, to not only fill the emergency area, but even utilize hospital rooms because of the number who are injured. But in the new facility, we have an MRI machine where we didn't in the old. We have a helipad on location. And certainly we've had a number of very generous contributors uh, from the oil and gas industry, but also many individual contributors and others from the financial and, and banking institutions in the area. So we feel grateful that our facility continues to be a priority um, as people consider their options for charitable giving because we know they definitely have options, but there are always challenges that you face in a rural setting that are unique, and it continues to be very important to us to be able to provide efficient and excellent care to patients. And and truly, we are in a very rural and, and remote area, so being able to attract types of physicians that we have now is impressive. Uh, we even have an orthopedic surgery program here where Dr. Ravindra Joshi has joined our team, and Dr. Torfi Hospitalson is a general surgeon as well. So surgeries of that nature have never been performed in Watford City before, and now we can quickly address those situations um, here locally. And many of those types of things are possible because of generosity from companies like Whiting. Uh, 
a $200,000 gift is very generous and not something we're blessed with every day. Kind of recapping here a little bit, $250,000 gift plus another $50,000 gift, correct? A $200,000 gift and then a $50,000 gift to furnish an obstetrics room in 2017. So um, a quarter million dollars over the last two years. And I just think that's a huge testament uh, to their commitment to provide amazing and the opportunity for a variety of healthcare services locally to their employees. And that was Ashley McNamee with Whiting Petroleum and Lynn Welker, consultant with McKenzie County Healthcare Systems. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, even YouTube. All those links can be found at thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. My name is Jason Spies and this is the Multimedia Cafe. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. With construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. So here's to all of the good thinkers and here's to the lonely drinker but don't you know welcome back to the multimedia cafe my name is jason spies thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the multimedia cafe a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about coming up next we talk with dr lauren c scott energy expert and economist all right, this is Dr. Lauren C. Scott, a um, professor emeritus of economics at LSU and president of Lauren C. Scott and Associates, Inc. One of the true heavyweights in the industry. Uh, you do forecasting for the state of Louisiana when it comes, comes to energy and economics generally, don't you? Well, what, we, uh, what I put out and have been putting out for almost four decades is the Louisiana Economic Outlook. And in the Louisiana Economic Outlook, we always have forecasts for oil prices and for natural gas prices, and also for employment in the kind of key oil and gas sectors of our state, which is uh, basically Shreveport, Shreveport, Homa, and Lafayette, big oil centers. So if you're going to, you know, we're the number, what, well, at one time we were the number two producer of oil, number two producer of natural gas, like we slipped a bit on natural gas. And so if you're going to forecast the Louisiana economy, you got to know the energy sector. Without a doubt. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on today's program is you, you do a great job of just stating the way things are. And, you know, whether you agree or disagree with me, that sort of thing. And one of these questions I'm going to ask today is more of a 
you know, it's more of a speculative question mixed with a little bit of politics and, and mixed with just some common sense here. And we don't get into politics on this program, but this is this is something I think a conversation needs to have in the world of natural gas. Um, when we look at the subsidies, the government subsidies that have gone to, like, say, solar and wind, for example, um, what would happen if we shifted that to natural gas? And the reason I say that is because the f- flaring is a real problem and there's a lot of great little science projects going on but the oil and gas industry is taxed quite a bit and they do pay a lot of fees and then they support a lot of church bake sales and kids softball uniforms and everything else and then now they got to pay for research and development on top of it too um what would happen do you think is that even a conversation that anybody would be open to if they shifted some of those solar and wind dollars to natural gas because i think it's a solvable problem and that's the that's my approach on this is that not because they need subsidies but because i think it's an actual solution that could happen in the next five to ten years well i mean i i I, number one they they don't need it i mean right now we're we're producing more natural gas than we can say grace over and of course the, the the clear indicator of that is you guys and what the people in the Permian Basin are now doing with a lot of natural gas, that is, they're having, they're having to flare it off. They're having to flare it off because they don't have enough ways to get it the heck out of where they are mm-hmm. right now. As a matter of fact, some natural gas is actually flowing out of the Permian Basin has been selling at a negative price. The producers have been paying people to take it uh, because there's just so darn much of it that they have to get rid of. Uh, I... I I, we could have a whole long conversation about uh, the role of natural gas versus renewables. I have to be a big uh, believer in fossil fuels and natural gas in particular. But the, 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 whatever, whatever you and I may think about it, uh, the renewables like wind and solar have got a grasp on, uh, especially the utility side. Uh, they, they, they are servicing customers and the customers are flat demanding that the, some of their uh, electricity be produced with uh, renewables. They're just demanding that, and which to me is really kind of crazy because you're going to end up happening here what happened in Europe, and that is when they started switching to renewables, the price of their electricity went up, in some cases went up markedly so, so much so that some of them started backing off on uh, demanding so much, um, so much wind and solar. So uh, I, I think we, uh, n- number one, I think there's zero appetite out there for uh, subsidizing uh, natural gas, uh, politically speaking. And I think um, there is there is some appetite out there for subsidizing wind and solar, but even that is starting to go away now. They're basically saying, look, if you want to compete, compete out there with natural gas, I think that's more towards where things are leaning right now. Well, I, let's do a quick little brief about the natural gas and, and, and the renewables because, you know, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I would say that if I'm looking from a 5,000-foot view, the subsidies that have gone into the wind and solar industry over the last, say, 20 years and the projections that were given back to us, um, whether it be the politicians or from, from, the, from the energy companies themselves, has fallen short. You know, they're not at the mega megawatt of uh, or terawatt of storage like they thought they would be in solar. And a lot of the reports coming out of Texas now that these 
uh, solar panels did not make the, the money or the returns that they thought they would. And so, and I agree with you, there's zero, zero appetite for a conversation in this. That's why I'm having it because I just see how close we are to actually solving a real problem as a country. And, and, you know, I, there's there, it's, it's a shame to see all that natural gas get flared is what I'm getting at. So just talk. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. There are so many advantages that natural gas has over wind and solar as i see it uh number one is we've got plenty of it uh the nice thing about natural gas is it's always there it's the one constant you got plenty of it's going to be there whereas the wind does not always blow and the sun does not always shine and uh, when the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine which typically happens at the very time you need the wind to blow and the sun to shine is uh, you have to you have to have a backup and that backup is always going to be uh, natural gas-fired power plants. And there's other, there's just other things that the other that the people who promote this just just grossly ignore. One is that wind and solar take up huge amounts of land. I mean, you have to cut down lots of trees to put in uh, a solar facility. You know, especially the states in the southeast that are very wooded. You know, the west is not so bad, but in the southeast, you got to cut down a lot of trees, and it's amazing. If you're cutting down trees for wind and solar, you know, there's no hue and cry about spotted owl uh, habitat going away or bird habitat going. They don't care in those particular cases, which brings us to in the wind, people, uh, the the environmentalists totally ignore the bird kill. I mean, bird kill on on the wind is just astonishing. The the, uh, Ottoman Institute looked at just one canyon uh, Colorado, excuse me, California, I think it's called the Amata Canyon, I believe that's right. And that one canyon kills something like 4,000 birds a year. And it's very indiscriminate. You know, you got, you got golden eagles in there, you got raptors in there, not just sparrows and other birds that you, don't, you might not really care about. So they, the wind and solar folks get away with a lot simply because they're renewable. And I, I think that's, that's a side that needs to be spoken about a whole lot more than it is. Dr. Lauren C. Scott, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. We come back, we'll continue the conversation with Dr. Lauren C. Scott, energy expert and economist. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Multimedia Cafe. first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Gillette, Wyoming, the energy capital of the nation. The Wyoming Center at the Camplex, home of the Energy Exposition 20th Anniversary. June 26th and 27th, it's the longest-running oil and gas trade show in the Rockies. You go there, you get exposed. 
Register your company for a booth now. Attendees can pre-register online and bypass the crowds. Don't miss the Industry Networking Dinner with keynote speaker, Governor of Wyoming, Mark Gordon. And guess who else? U.S. Rep. Liz Cheney, U.S. Senators Mike Enzi and John Barrasso live feed straight from the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Then Chansey Williams and the Younger Brothers Band perform live on stage. Awesome. Oh, and don't forget the Energy Symposium. Join in the panel discussions on the new regulations and procedures. Discover how new large projects are going to benefit you, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain region. Like to golf or just network? Then check out the Expo Golf Tourney, benefiting the Gillette College Foundation on June 25th. Hosted by Energy Solutions Corp. and organized by Gillette Physical Therapy. Admission to the Expo is always free and the exposure is, you know, priceless. Energy Exposition and Symposium, June 26th and 27th, 2019. And you already know, we're going to party like it's 1999. Find out more at energyexposition.com. Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Dr. Lauren C. Scott, energy expert and economist. Uh, reclamation program. So a lot of those farmers are just going to have those wind turbines sitting there long after their expiration date. Well, there's that. Plus, I think a lot of farmers who uh, who bought into that also discovered something else, and that is that living close to 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 uh, wind turbines is not a particularly happy thing to go through. I mean, they are not quiet. Uh, there is a hum that's associated with them that is that is nerve-wracking to many people. That man has been a problem as well, and so it is just not all nice. You know. Where I'm from, I'm actually from the Permian Basin of West Texas. And out there, you don't have to worry about trees. I mean, you don't have to worry about birds so much. There's not any, hardly any birds because it's so such much of a desert uh, area. So it, it's okay. The problem is you, you keep coming back to this, and that is the, the wind doesn't blow all the time. In particular, the wind doesn't blow so much in, in June and July. June, July, and August, it's just not real constant like it is the rest of the times of year. And that's the very time you need to be generating electricity to run our air conditioners. And they haven't figured out the storage problem yet uh, when it comes to electricity generated by wind and solar. And uh, until they do that, uh, they've just got it's, it's going to still remain, I think, almost a single-digit part of our of our electricity grid. How about when it comes to solar? Um, of course, solar, a lot of people think it's a great renewable as well. Some of the things that I've looked at is, of course, the, the mining when it comes to creating the batteries that are behind. Sure. Uh, is is a little bit more like that your bird your your bird issue reminded me of the issues with solar which are kind of counterintuitive too and this goes all the way back to the paper and plastic bag argument when people started realizing that uh, paper bags were worse for the environment than plastic ones because paper ones not only are you cutting the trees down but now you got to use all of this other energy in order to create the pulp and the paper and the bags, et cetera, et cetera. That's what I see happening on the solar side of things is, is, you know, is 
between the production and the, and the lithium mines and everything else, what, what are some of the issues that you see with solar? Those are the ones that I see. They're not up to, up to par, but um, are there other disadvantages to solar that you see? Well, I mean, th- th- again, to me, the main thing is if you want to do solar anywhere other than the desert areas of the United States, um, you, if you want to do it, say, in the southeastern part of the United States or the northeastern part, just the eastern part of the United States in general, you've got to cut down a humongous amount of trees. You've got to destroy a lot of forest in order to start meaningfully generating a lot of, uh, of uh, uh, electricity by way of solar. And, of course, that's also the area of the country that quite often is cloudy. Uh, and for sure, the sun only suns half the time of the year uh and the, and also if you read some of the literature on the bird kill associated with uh with solar there's quite a bit of that too because what you're doing is you're taking those those mirrors and you're reflecting it into one place and if the birds fly through that place it's like being zapped i mean they just get zapped as they fly through that area so um to me we keep kind of coming back uh, to when it comes to solar, your fuel costs are almost free, but there's a whole lot of stuff that is not free. And the bird kill, the destruction of forest area, um, the fact that you can't store it yet, they haven't figured out a way to do that. What that means is you always have to have a coal-fired power plant, not really, uh, excuse me, a natural gas-fired power plant as a backup when the wind doesn't blow, the sun doesn't shine. Which means ultimately you're still going to have to you're still going to have to pay for that, that gas-powered power plant, and it's it's just not clear to me that in the long run this is a good plan. Well, and that's why I keep going back to this the the, the crazy argument for natural gas subsidies because it just seems like no matter how you slice and dice it, whether you're talking about coal or whether you're talking about natural gas, I'm sorry, uh, wind or solar, it just seems like that natural gas has to be there as the failsafe, as the safety net. Yeah. And right now we've got such an abundance, like you were saying, it's trading on a negative dollar value down there in the Permian because of there's so much of it. But then I just see all these, you know, these capitalists that are, you know, the one guy, there's some crazy guy up in Canada using natural gas to mine bitcoins. I don't even know how that works, but good for him, you know, and then you got these other guys trying to convert it into liquid natural gas and other guys trying to turn it into batteries and everything. I just see where, you know, Solar and wind has really had, you know, no pun intended, but they've had their day in the sun and their advancements are, are you know, less than stellar. They, 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 yeah, they well, promised well, they'd be further along. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Now, what, however, what is going on is that if you go to any, any of your utility firms, the people who are actually generating electricity, they are just under immense political pressure to switch to more renewables. I mean, it is, it is very, very, it is a very, very strong and powerful political force on them. So they're doing it anyway. I mean, they're going to, they're going to switch to it, even though there are issues associated with, um, uh, reliability associated with other aspects of, of the, all the things that you and I have been talking about that are negative. They are still being, uh, politically pressured, uh, to, uh, uh, to, uh, do that, to, to switch to renewable. So I, I think it's a march that's going to continue on, and uh, I think it's going to be slow because people are going to find out about the cost of it, especially the utility cost of it. So I think there's going to be, there's just going to be a problem there down the line. 
Yeah, it'd be nice to see just kind of iron out a little bit and instead of trying to, you know, say everything's for this, maybe just figure out the pockets they're good for. I mean, you know, farmers figured out a pretty good use for wind a long time ago, and solar power seems to power up cell phones and batteries, pretty, you know, the, the smaller type things. And so maybe may, maybe that's just more of the conversation is, is how, after 20 years of pretty good R&D, what is wind and solar actually used for? And how can we best maximize it and, and, and admit maybe some of these things are wrong? But anyway, that's... Well, I, I mean, I, yeah. I, will, I will tell you, as you've probably figured it out for the number of times you and I have talked before, is that I'm kind of a, a mar- very market-oriented economist. And so my position is uh, we, we, we try to keep the government as much out of this as possible and let the market work it out. That was Dr. Lauren C. Scott, energy expert and economist. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on our social media accounts like Facebook, Twitter, even the YouTubes. All those social media links are available at thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank you for tuning in on this radio station. We'll be back tomorrow at this time and this radio station. Also, for those of you streaming us on the Internet, thank you very much. And those of you who have downloaded us on iTunes or our other podcast platforms, thank you, thank you, thank you. We know there's a lot of content out there and a lot of choices and places to get it, so we appreciate you tuning in here to the Multimedia Cafe. From the staff of the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Gillette, Wyoming, the energy capital of the nation. The Wyoming Center at the Camplex, home of the Energy Exposition 20th Anniversary. June 26th and 27th, it's the longest-running oil and gas trade show in the Rockies. You go there, you get exposed. Register your company for a booth now. Attendees can pre-register online and bypass the crowds. Don't miss the industry networking dinner with keynote speaker, Governor of Wyoming, Mark Gordon. And guess who else? U.S. Rep. Liz Cheney, U.S. Senators Mike Enzi and John Barrasso live feed straight from the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Then Chansey Williams and the Younger Brothers Band perform live on stage. Awesome. Oh, and don't forget the Energy Symposium. Join in the panel discussions on the new regulations and procedures. Discover how new large projects are going to benefit you, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain region. Like to golf or just network? Then check out the Expo Golf Tourney, benefiting the Gillette College Foundation on June 25th. 
hosted by Energy Solutions Corp and organized by Gillette Physical Therapy. Admission to the expo is always free and the exposure is, you know, priceless. Energy Exposition and Symposium, June 26th and 27th, 2019. And you already know, we're gonna party like it's 1999. Find out more at energyexposition.com.